Welcome back to the TV Talk Machine podcast. I'm Jason Snell and across the internet for me, your host, chief TV critic at The Hollywood Reporter. Oh, great one. It's Tim Goodman. Hello. It never gets old. That theme song? Never. It, do- it doesn't. It doesn't. No. Broadcast News Short. Ask for it by name. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. It has been. It's TVTM theme song for yeah. all of the, mm-hmm. whatever, 12 years of this podcast uh, um i mean yours your your embellishment on the old school one was probably the best but that still never gets old it makes me kind of laugh because it's kind of like a simpsons hokey-esque yeah it just it just is now i mean mm-hmm. i feel like in the david letterman lessons of like repeating a joke until it's not mm-hmm. funny and then just yep. keep repeating it until it comes all the way back around all the way we've back done around. like about 10 of those circles mm-hmm. with that theme song now uh, this is a podcast about television for those who are curious. Uh, and uh, let's jump into it. We got I got a bunch of stuff for you. We got some letters from listeners, uh, but we have your reviews in the Hollywood Reporter to talk about first. And you know what I was watching earlier this week? I was watching very, very angry British people voting <laughs> in the House of Commons about <laughs> Brexit. Yes, Brexit. And uh, guess what? There is a Brexit film airing this weekend on hbo yeah it's uh and it's good it's um i mean you wouldn't normally i mean it's got it stars benedict cumberbatch so it's gotta be pretty good right that's kind of the thing um but um yeah it's uh it's a little bit surprising in that uh um a, a, a movie done in the middle of an ongoing story like it's like it's coming out uh, on Sunday, and they we will we just voted just the other day. I wish they had actually posted it. The, I think they posted it the day after the vote. But still, there's fallout after the vote. They still haven't fixed it. The Brexit yeah. story is going to be ongoing. The point yes. is, normally when you do something from inside of a story, you don't have an ending, so you can't tell the ending. But it doesn't really matter. It was there's so much in this movie that's about how it started and the person that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch plays, who was the instrumental person in getting it launched and then sort of regrets and mismanagement on both sides, uh, obviously, and uh, kind of like, Oh God, what have I done? Um, it's really good. I, I mean, just it's, it's an hour and it's roughly an hour and a half. You can get through it pretty quickly. And, um, and I think people, if they're, even if they're not versed in a lot of the uh, Britishisms, they'll, they'll pick it up. So this was Brexit, the Uncivil War, when released on uh, Channel 4 in the UK, uh, yep. and it was broadcast like uh, two weeks ago in the UK. So it's a quick uh, pickup for HBO to, to run. Yeah, so and we just call it nice. Brexit on this Brexit. side. Brexit, yeah. Mm-hmm. We need, not, need to go no further. It says mm-hmm. it all. Get that Brexit. No, no one else will make a movie called Brexit. For, well, okay, probably, but <laughs> well, not, probably will not in 2019. Yeah, HBO has got it down. All right, yeah. all right, Benedict Cumberbatch. That's good. That's good. Um, I hear you got another hidden gem coming. I do have a hidden gem cu- coming uh, up, uh, probably when this is out. Okay, and everybody's listening to it and internationally and beyond. Mm. Um, they'll find Wilfred, my latest hidden gems, and you're you're familiar with with Wilfred. Uh, and if anybody's been to the uh, my Bastard Machine Facebook page, there's probably a picture floating around there of me in the uh, Wilfred dog suit, which yeah. I cite at the beginning of this hidden gems. I kind of retell that story of how that happened. One one of the Hall- Halloween's past. Um, but it's such a really good series, and I, I've always loved it, but I wanted to go back to it and kind of re just tinker around. All four seasons are on Hulu, 
um i i really think it lives up to the the billing of a hidden gem is that like i mean i loved it as i note in the in the hidden gems piece itself within the first two minutes i just thought it was fantastic um and i think you know a lot of other people got on board with it but it never got the acclaim uh, that it deserved. I think if people discover it now, it's better than so many shows that are on the air right now. And as we know, there's hundreds of shows in the air. Um, Jason Gann, who who created it in Australia and then um, wrote some episodes, the co-creator here, and um, obviously plays Wilfred, the imaginary or not dog, mm. is fantastic. And Elijah Wood is underappreciated. Going back, I, I just realized uh, he wasn't too far removed from a lot of those... Um, uh, movies that you know. What is it? Uh, what was Elijah? Lord of the in? Rings. Lord of the Rings. Sorry. Um, that I loved those movies. He wasn't too far removed from that when when this started in 2011. And uh, I think people were looking at him as that guy more, um, and less as sort of this darkly funny person. And and I think now that there's some remove, if you go back and look at it, it's it's really good. And it's really funny. It really holds up. And, uh, you know, even for people who were watching it, season four got moved off of FX to FXX, which is not that big of a deal anymore. But back then it was kind of like, okay, you're never going to find it now. <laughs> um, so a lot of people didn't even get to finish the uh, the fourth and final season. And it has one of my, it's, it's such a great ending um, to an unexpected in many ways. Um, I think the story, I think the season, the series was more emotional uh, and thoughtful than people first imagine because it's so coarse everywhere else you know it's a guy in a dog suit and he's like humping things and he's and they smoke bongs just gigantic bongs every day and drink beer um so it's but it's a lot smarter it's totally an existential story Hmm. and the ending is amazing so it's perfect i hope people will find it 49 episodes too so not an enormous commitment for yeah, seasons and it's, yeah, it's all about episodes. 22 23 episodes you can get or 23 minutes or so you can get yeah. each one it's really good all right wilfred uh on hulu you said yes on hulu good 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 people like to know know that i mean they can google it right we've established that but we we've like established it but they can find it yeah. be helpful um <laughs> and uh you've got something coming up too the people who do planet earth are back with more and fewer snakes presumably <laughs> Yeah, I mean the 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 nature documentaries that the planet Earth people do, and and um, you know all of those those things are just amazing. So they've got they've got a kind of a spinoff thing called Dynasties that looks at like animal families and how they interact together, rather than just like you know this is all of the animals you'll find in the desert. These are all the animals you'll find in the in the air. You know, it's like you're in the water on the, on blue, but uh, this is like about families of animals and how they inter- interact. It's called uh, dynasties. Really good. I've only, uh, I've only seen a little bit of it having to do the review probably will be out by the time everybody sees this or hears this. Sorry. Hmm. Right. So uh, good though. You, you just, you just watched a little of it, but I just, the track again, record is impeccable, yeah, right? The track record is impeccable. And it, it sort of looks and feels like all all of that. I, I I really doubt that I'll get three hours into it and go. Oh, they've taken a terrible turn. It's boring. No, it's so much time has been put into these things, and this is a different way that they told of telling the story. So it's a little bit fresher. Right. Cool. Um, 
Okay, we have big thoughts that we should probably talk about. Oh, boy. Big thoughts, big thoughts. Oh, I have an update before we do that. We'll do the uh, Jason. This is not quite a slow binge update, but I'll say that I, uh, being shamed when you were talking about Valley of the Boom last week and I hadn't seen it, even though I had the screeners, I went and I watched <laughs> Valley of the Boom and I agree with what you said, which is I found it uh, funny and weird in interesting ways covering an interesting period and they picked three good stories and i really enjoy i think i think it has a confidence in that hybrid format that maybe mars doesn't have. i like mars better than you do but you know with mars i felt like the a lot of the interview stuff was just super boring and here it's <laughs> right. it's it's such it, everything is on a meta level with the mm. with the, the stuff so it's and it's also just i think more aggressively assembled where you've got scenes that are going on and then they are then they are stopped and characters talk and then you know as that's happening then you cut away to somebody who's a, a an interview subject who's the real person in the present day and they say something and then it cuts back to the other person who's playing them as an actor and they say something and then the scene picks up and it's all just kind of like this really fascinating uh, kind of montage of comment you know it's the actual events and the commentary by the characters and then the commentary by the people who the characters are based on all kind of like it's uh i i think really well done in that way so uh i was i was uh i i laughed a, a lot too at some of the stuff steve zahn is, is great as the super oh weird god. con man Yo. guy uh That's yeah just, yeah from pixel on mm-hmm. oh my god it's um yeah it's uh you know they're just all in the reason it works is that they never hesitate it's just like you said they're they're just they're all in and they just like you know what yeah. they don't overthink it they just said let's be wild and, and that moment where the mark andreessen actor starts doing we've seen several <laughs> of these interviews and then the, the actor starts doing one and somebody says from off camera you're not mark andreessen he's like what <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, my name is. And he says the name of the actor. He's like, uh-huh. oh, yeah, I'm an actor. I'm playing him. But everything I say, he won't talk to us because he's got better <laughs> things to do. So everything I say is something that he said or that he it's obvious that he feels. And uh, so just don't worry about it. And, um, and also the, the moment where the um, the investor demands a Chiron. He demands that he oh, have right, a little yeah. Chiron explaining <laughs> yeah. who he is, and he shouts, "Can I get a Chiron?" while standing at the airport, and then yeah. apologizes some, to somebody who's walking by for shouting. And I'm like, "This is bananas! This whole this thing, bananas. Yeah, it's great." And when, it, when the Chiron finally shows up, it says that he's an imaginary character, and he's like, "That's fine. <laughs> That's good." great great yeah, just one name they didn't give him the last yeah name. it's, it's great. just yeah it's uh that's the that good stuff good stuff um all right you wrote one of your uh thinking stories one of your thinking pieces <laughs> as we call them the critics notebook or i like to call it the thinking piece thinking pieces about cord cutting so nbc universal on monday comcast nbc universal announced that they are also joining the new streaming service game um, so there'll be an NBC Universal streaming service. Uh, what's different about this from uh, what we know about what Disney is doing and what Warner Media is doing is that this is uh, they've described their business model and it's very strange because the way they described it is it's a streaming service. It'll come in twenty in early twenty twenty they say, <laughs> and it will be. Um, it will be free if you have a cable login. 
<laughs> so their first pitch for it is basically it's like any of these other things uh, where you get access to various channels because you've got your Comcast login because it's right. part of your uh, of your uh, traditional TV package. It's free for them with ads, but then you can pay to remove the ads or if you aren't a traditional cable subscriber, you can pay a maybe different amount of money to see it with ads and then pay an additional amount to see it without ads. So there's like these three or four different statuses you can have, which means, uh, the when I and, and there's a good Q and A that uh, that Natalie Jarvie from the Hollywood Reporter did with uh, the CEO of NBC Universal, and they talk about it and how like 80 percent of people still have traditional TV, so it's fine. But it, it struck me, and it very clearly that I read this story, it struck you as fascinating that um, this is NBC Universal basically saying we are in the future, people. <laughs> we have a streaming service. And uh, we look forward to having lots of people who have traditional television to watch it, which is like, but, but wait, what, what? So what is, what is happening here? Well, that's, that is such a great description of like what happened. And it was funny because, you know, I've, I've done stuff on, uh, well, I will continue to do tons of stuff on the streaming wars that are ahead. 2019, of course, it's going to be a huge year. They're not even out yet, but when they come, it'll be, we'll be talking about them endlessly. Um, And I've written about and talked about cord cutting, um, but this seemed like a perfect example to talk about cord cutting as the tipping point in a way that is not reflective of the long-term strategy of linear networks um, and gigantic ones like Comcast. Um, it just, when they explained it, it's so, like I said, it's just the most Comcastic thing you've ever heard, right? right? It's Xfinity-ish. Um, it's it's I, like I, new media <laughs> product with old media business model, which is like, what? Like, you're so close to getting it. Yeah, you're just, you kind of get the concept. But they live in a world, right? But but they live in a world where the cable business model is how they think, is is what it looks like to me. Is like, they know they need to do a a streaming service, and they know it's the future, but they also have their current day business model, which is to provide people incentive to stay with cable. And so it's a, you know, we've got a... Uh, I don't. I don't know. Even know what metaphor to use here. They've got a spaceship, but it's tied to a horse and buggy or something yeah. like that. It's like you know, this these don't go together. No, and it, and it's struck me as really interesting because you can't fault them. Like nobody whose business is about to become a dinosaur um, is ever going to right. admit that that's what's going to happen. They're always going to be saying no, 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 no. Uh, we're going to be alive because these current indicators suggest that we will be alive into the future, right. even though I think they're misreading the current indicators. And that's why I said, it's like, you know, he, he said to Natalie in the Q and a, he's like, look, 80% of people who stream stuff, you know, or, or 80% of the universe is cable and satellite homes. And then most of the people who get their Netflix and Hulu or whatever, are in that 80%. The, right. the, the percentage of people who are cut the cord and they're cable free is minuscule. I think it's, it's actually less than 20%, I think. So he's, mm-hmm. he's making a point. Steve Burke from, uh, NBC Universal is making a correct point. He's saying, you know, hey, look, every 80% of the people are either, they've already got cable and they've got satellite. Um, and they're, and they've, depending on their economic status, they've either come up with enough money for Netflix only and they say they're streaming or, you know, if they have a little, if they're a little more flush, then they probably have Hulu, and maybe they're also paying for for Amazon because they want the free shipping and they do they do shop online. Um, but 
you and I know it's probably not going to stay like that forever because once people yeah. learn how to cut the cord, that 80% is gone. And now they've created a system that's entirely dependent on that 80% or, or, or some figure close to that staying relatively intact for the next couple of decades. And it's just, that's not how it works. In fact, one of the questions that, that struck me, uh, and I tried to talk to Natalie about this too. And she's like, yeah, I think that, that they're going to, I mean, it was so obvious that we were both asking each other, like, I mean, that's true, right? Because like he says in one of his quotes, he says, Steve Burke says, oh, and if you want to pay for it, because they're so excited to put these dynamic ads in. And, right. and, what they're, and what they're saying is like, hey, people get it for free. Well, we know they're not getting it for free because they already pay for cable. But what he's saying is like, everybody who's already shelling out for Netflix and Hulu or one of the two or one of the three, will they'll love the fact that they're going to get a free streaming service because we asked them and we said, would you rather pay $10 for this or would you like go for five, five minutes of ads? And he says, Oh, the people went for, they were overwhelmingly in favor of the five minutes. Well, of course they would be. If you put it like that, when they actually do it, they're going to hate it and they're going to want to buy it. The bigger piece, Mm -hmm. or they're just not going to want it depending on what you have in your, in your NBC universal bench. But the part that he, that he said to Natalie, uh, in one of these interviews, it's like, oh, and if you don't want to pay for it, like if you don't want to watch ads, then you can go to Com. This is what he said. This is his quote. He goes, "You can go to Comcast or Spectrum, and that's a uh, like a I think they're in the Midwest, but yeah. it's another cable company that they bought." He says, "If you don't want to pay for ads, you can go to Comcast or Spectrum and just uh, pay more and for the non version." Mm-hmm. And I thought, wait, so you still? You still have pay, to be pay a your member? cable company? Yeah. That, yeah. Like, and I said to that Natalie, I was like, does this actually, will it come with an app? Can you access it like Netflix via the internet without, you know, without having to be part of a cable package? And we were assuming so, but then again, it's Comcast, so we don't really know. But oh. it's just, it was a great way to jump off and talk about what I think is going to be the tipping point is that's when people figure out how to cut the cords, which I think will be easier soon. Yeah, he, he, it's almost like he's describing on demand. <laughs> like, but now we're, yes. we're calling it a streaming service. Uh, well, so you worked in newspapers, I worked in magazines. We know mm-hmm. what it's like to be in an industry that is in denial about what's going to happen mm-hmm. to it. Um, I look at this and I say to myself, um, what are the two biggest drivers of revenue that basically are the motivators for the people who have jobs, especially on the revenue side at NBC Universal and Comcast? Mm-hmm. And it's, money from cable fees mm-hmm. and it's ads on TV. Right. So guess what? They built a streaming service that has ads that they can sell like ads on TV and it is a way, a way to increase the value of the cable bundle for Comcast. And also if you aren't interested in any of those things you can just give them money somewhere somehow and it'll be a real streaming service uh separate from that it sounds like. So yeah, it, it, it's it's not surprising, honestly, that that's their approach. Um, and it's not that it's it also it strikes me that this is the NBC version of Hulu. And, mm-hmm. he, you know, he said, Burke said, oh, you know, hey, Hulu, who can say we're fine being a part of Hulu? And I'm sitting there thinking, I just don't see that is going to happen. But, um, you know, he was not saying, yes, we're going to sell Hulu to Disney. He was sort of like noncommittal about that, too. But this product is like, uh, yeah, it's it's. They know they need to embrace the future, but they want to they want to use their current business model as long as they can. And I understand that because, you know, part of Comcast doesn't want 
they know it'll happen, but Comcast wants to make it as hard as possible for you to give up your traditional TV service with them and go internet only, even if they're providing the internet. And there right. are lots of different steps along the way. They're, they've got their bundles. They've got their, like, the f- people don't want landlines anymore, but they're, like, aggressively, like, y- we'll pay you to keep having a landline. It's like, all right. Yeah. And and now this streaming service is going to be another thing in their in their list where it's like, well, you know, you if you cut the cord, you're going to lose the the streaming service that we give you for free. So, uh, you know, think about that. And then on the other side of it, once you cut the cord and I have friends who are cord cutters um, who got frustrated about like, how do they find how do they get, you know, they don't have cable logins anymore. Comcast now sells a cable login for cord cutters. So once you cross over, then they will charge you to use their apps and stuff without the actual TV service just so that you can get the logins so you count as a cable as a cable subscriber instead of not. So I think they I think they know, I mean they're not dumb. I no, think they, they know don't. where yeah. they're going, but I think that they are not interested in sort of like casting aside the old and stepping into the new world. They want to they they're going to be dragged into the new world because it's scary and they want to make it as hard as as possible to get there as possible because there's more money i think for sure to be made uh I, I don't they may be wrong about that but i think they they would like to make as much money off of people now as possible rather than whatever scary world is on the other side of that divide yeah and i think that you know there's you know you're so right that it's basically it's basically on demand which nobody really even right? uses anymore and that's kind of what they're saying um, and, and I totally understand needing to be dragged into the other world and they're clinging onto it. And I understand also why a cable person who's all of his money comes on these old, old, this old school platform. Uh, and as you said, you know, advertising on TV rather, rather than subscription, he said, he flat out said it would take for, he, first of all, he's been on the record in the past as saying he doesn't believe in streaming at, that it's, that it can be lucrative. So he's, he's a denier um about the streaming being the future uh i had to point that out to somebody on on uh on twitter who was like you know they're you know they're they're not late getting in the game they have they obviously they had some obstacles to get there but they still are late in the game and he's not really a believer but what strikes me as interesting about this is that he's definitely right this 80 percent like if you're a business guy i don't know how long he's going to still be in the job maybe he'll be in there for 20 years but they don't have a strategy for starters. They they made no comment about selling Hulu, which would be a competing service to of, to their own. Right. And if they have their popular shows on both Hulu and Netflix, like it is now, why would you even get the other NBC Universal streaming sure. service? They he there is no strategy to pull everything back. There is he's not definitively saying they're going to pull back the office and. All this stuff. All they've basically said is that we're going to take Saturday Night Live, and you won't be able to find it anywhere on the internet but our place. Um, but it, it, he he is right in one sense. I think it's really difficult for people, and I keep running into this where people will just say, "I don't know how to, I don't know how to unbundle." Um, and you know, you're a tech person. Uh, I'm not very tech savvy, but compared to a lot of people, I'm tech savvy, or at least I understand this this process. If you get out into, let's just say you know, the general population and you listen to what some people think is streaming or cutting the cord. It's pretty shocking. I, we were, I was having a discussion the other day with somebody who was saying, my girlfriend actually, who was saying that on her, uh, on her Facebook feed, somebody was like, I need to learn how to cut the cord. And the people who were giving her advice from all across the country were basically saying, Oh, add, 
add Netflix or I like Hulu. And it's like, no, that's not what she's saying. She's <laughs> saying that she wants to cut the cord. And, you know, none of them really knew how to do it. And it was it it really gives you pause that some people don't know how to do it. And, and it is complicated if you if you do have a bundle of your internet's internet and your cables or, or satellite and your phone it, all the the discounts you get um to put them together it's really hard to pull to pull it undone but you know we've done it i've done it well you know with uh playstation view other people have done it in ways where they can cut their bills by 150 200 uh, and you could still get regional sports channels and hbo and stuff so it can be done i just think there's the education process is is the next step uh to get there yeah, and in the long run, like NBC Universal is right to do this, even if their business model seems strange. I imagine they will be listening and paying attention, and will get educated over time to how the market reacts to it. But it does make sense, right? If you look out five years, the logical end point of this, as much as anything has an end point, is all of the stuff that we currently think of as being on NBC's cable channels and broadcast network will also be on a streaming service that's available over the top. And if you're a cable cutter and you want to, or a cord cutter, and you want to not have uh, traditional TV, but you want access to everything that NBC Universal does, and that includes their news channels and includes their entertainment channels, and you know, and their late night talk shows and all of that. That um, as well as originals, that this will give it to you, and that's not an unreasonable product. That's also exactly what CBS All Access is, by the way. It's right. a TV network trying to imagine what what happens in a world where TV networks are irrelevant, but streaming services are relevant, and so yeah. you need to basically you need to have one so you can move there it's like a it's like a uh, an escape pod yeah, it's a placeholder future, right? for their future i think it's a i think right. it's a placeholder the thing that i get to in this piece though that that kind of interests me is you know there is there is a tipping point out there it will happen um you, you and i again you talked about yeah. you and i being from this business these businesses that did kind of go belly up for the most part or had to reinvent themselves and cables they've been thinking about reinventing themselves but that 80 percent number is definitely tricking them. And I think it is going to vanish faster than they can yeah, ever imagine. Right, right. It, it, it starts slow, and mm-hmm. then there will be, I think, a tipping point. Plus, let's not forget demographic shifts here, which is everybody above a certain age is very uncomfortable with this stuff, but everybody below mm-hmm. a certain age is super com- comfortable with this yep. whole concept and super uncomfortable with traditional TV. And the fact is, more of those young people come along all the time while the older people get smaller and smaller as time goes along so that that is happening and then the technology is improving and the services are being really aggressive to get you to 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 move and i i think you're right we're we're getting perilously close even now because we have playstation view and youtube tv and and uh hulu's uh over the top service as well Mm -hmm. like perilously close to a world where um, where the concept of the traditional cable bundle is completely is irrelevant as anything other than a legacy product for old people, and I, you know, I, and I, I'm not trying to offend anybody with that, but that that happens in a lot of media. Is um, you know, newspapers are still read by a lot of people, but if you look at who reads them, it's mostly older people. Right. who come from a time when newspapers were the way you consumed information. And there's still a business to be had there of a sort, but it's decreasing all the time. That's how we felt in, in my magazine business was, you know, our readership got older by a year every year. 
It was mm-hmm. very clearly just an existing readership that was aging and it was never going to grow because, you know, we were never getting any new 50 year olds. It was, <laughs> they don't right. come in into the market at 50. They come into the market at 22. Right. So yeah, I, I, it, it's fascinating to see this happen because it, it goes to, I mean, since I read about tech stuff, it's the same thing. It's the innovators dilemma. It's, you know, if you have a power position, you want to protect that position, even if you know that it's not ultimately what's going, how the world's going to uh, work, it's hard to leave it. If, and if you're Comcast, it's like Comcast could tomorrow release their app on the Apple TV and Roku and Amazon Fire TV, the, the one that they've got on iOS. And it's essentially turns your your ipad into a cable box well they mm-hmm. can release that on all the set-top boxes tomorrow they can make a deal with those manufacturers they could literally just say we're we're getting rid of all your cable boxes and instead you're just going to use streaming and we're going to compete with everybody else on streaming they could do that but they don't mm-hmm. want to because why should they compete they, they they've got you right where they want you and you're very profitable so it's it's just fascinating because I get why they want to protect that revenue stream, but it potentially kills their future possibilities or at least dramatically closes the, their options off for the future. So I don't know. It's fascinating to watch. It is another um, turning of the dinosaur ship, right? Or they, they know they need another ship. <laughs> the dinosaur right. is not is they're going to jump off the dinosaur slowly ship because it won't sinking. turn. Yeah, it slowly won't turn. So they're going to jump off. Well, it's also too. It's like if you think about what I mean. I I think it's. I mean, I, I really believe that the more people, because I feel that there's an, there's a economic pressure that's clearly on people who are paying upwards of 200 or more than $200 a month for their, for their cable stuff. Um, and I feel like there's an epic economic pressure. Something has to give and it, and it's going to come with more knowledge on how to cord cut. The thing that I thought was kind of interesting is nothing's really, and, and I don't know how well I expressed this. I thought that I did a good job of expressing this, but I was, you know, if somebody's, if they look at that bundling and they're like, ah, it's just too complicated. This is, you know, late, don't disregard laziness as like a real thing, uh, hindering the technology and all the, the, all the changes that are coming. Laziness is a pretty big factor. And yep. I'm wondering if, you know, people who are right now have a, this $200 thing plus Netflix. I'm wondering when in 2019, this very year, when they see Disney plus, which has Star Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, you know, and then you know, you've got uh, you've got uh, Apple coming. We don't know what Apple's going to look like, but we do know that people love Apple and collect Apple products. And also, as I point out here, Warner Media, which has just got into the game a little bit earlier than Comcast, but is their their game is much much more developed on, on their plan. Right. You know, think about that. The Warner Brent, the Warner Brothers bench is crazy deep. There's so many great movies and TV shows on there, plus HBO, the Criterion Collection, Harry Potter, DC Universe. When you throw those things out there, that's my point. I'm trying to make in this piece or part of the point I'm trying to make is like when you throw those three other pretty amazing, possibly amazing uh, streaming platforms out there. Is that going to be something where somebody says, "Okay, well, now there's six that I want and now I got to figure out how to get all six. And I can't get all six if I have cable. I think that pushes people to yeah. sort of say, how do I cut this? It could. It could. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Well, we'll keep watching it. This is the story of our era, right? It's the peak. It TV. It's peak TV in terms of volume, but it's also like the way we consume TV is completely different and changing rapidly. So and it's going to be a big year.
going to be a big year. Um, I, okay, I, I do want to get to some letters and at least run by your uh, your greatest dramas of TV history. <laughs> but before we do that, we have a sponsor again. It's true. Woo-hoo! It's true. Here it is. This episode of the TV Talk Machine is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Now, we've seen in the media a lot about online security breaches. It's only natural to worry about where your data is going, especially when something as uh, simple as sending an email can put your private information at risk. You are probably being tracked by various social media sites, marketing companies, possibly even your internet provider. Hey, Comcast is my internet provider. Hmm. Uh, and and if they are sitting on the pipe that you use to connect to the internet, that means they can do stuff like record all the traffic that goes in and out of your uh, out of your house. They can record your browsing history, and then they can resell that to those data brokers who want to profit from your information. Here, how, here's how you take your privacy back. Use a VPN like ExpressVPN, which works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing and encrypts all of your data flowing through that ISP's pipe. It hides your public IP address. You can turn it on with one click. It's an easy-to-use app. It runs seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, or tablet. Costs less than $7 a month. Rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. Comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Are you getting it yet? If you ever use public Wi-Fi, you're at Starbucks or something like that, <laughs> and that's that's unencrypted. You want to keep right. the bad guys away from your data there. ExpressVPN does that too. I have used it. It is very simple to use. I'm not going to say that I used it at one point, speaking of Brexit, to uh, to <laughs> pretend that I was in the UK so that I could look at something on the BBC. Um, but I'm just saying uh, that is a feature you could potentially do if you wanted to. And uh, it was super easy to do. Uh, if I did it, which I totally uh, may or may not have done, but I'm not going to admit that here. Uh, so protect your online pr- activity today. It's important. Go to expressvpn.com slash TVTM. If you don't want your online history in the hands of your internet provider or data resellers, ExpressVPN is the answer. By going to expressvpn.com slash TVTM, you can get three months free with a one-year package. Once again, that's expressvpn.com slash TVTM for three extra months free with a one-year package. Thank you to Express. VPN for sponsoring TV Talk Machine. Yay. That's right. Protect that content when we talk about content. You got to do it. See what I did there? Got to do it. Boy. Uh, All right. So I got some letters, but before we do that, I want to call out that tweet that you sent last week, which was uh, for the 20th anniversary of The Sopranos. You said uh, you keep flip-flopping on where you'd put it on the list of the five greatest dramas in TV history, either number three or number four. Um, And then you went on to say, my Hall of Fame has a mandate that series go. I'm glad that they're giving you orders for the Tim Goodman Hall of Fame, (laughs) your imaginary uh, committee that's in charge Mm of it. it. Series go for a minimum of five seasons to qualify. If a series is consistently judged episode to episode, season to season, the longer it maintains greatness and simultaneously risks going off the rails with a bad season, the higher it ranks your Hall of Fame dramas. And we'll let, let's uh, take them five to one. Number five, The Americans. Yeah, I left that blank for a long time. Uh, I mean, certainly uh, in the discussion was certainly The Shield for a really, really long time. And an up-and-comer who can still be considered at some point is Game of Thrones. Uh, I think that's probably the most relevant kind of new one. Hmm. But um, uh, I'm sure there'd be some wild debate about that. But uh, yeah, The Americans is, I think, once it finished its sixth season and totally nailed everything, I thought, oh, absolutely. And I've been tracking it. I, I love that series yeah. from, from the get-go. And uh, taken as a whole, it, it, it I think it rather 
forcefully fills the number five slot. I like your you're holding it open uh, because there's a, there's a, some romantic uh, feelings about that. It's like someday another one will come, another top five <laughs> show will come, and I have a spot for it right here. Yeah, yeah, and it did. And it did. It did. And it spoke Russian, it turns out. <laughs> uh, okay, number three and four, the, the big flip-flop. So The Sopranos goes in here on the 20th mm-hmm. anniversary. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, definitely. And Breaking Bad. And Breaking Bad. So two, mm-hmm. two real anti-hero shows with protagonists who are not your usual uh, expected TV protagonist hero. So they, they, they have things in common. They have a lot of things in common. Yeah, and I think that the part where, I mean, the part where I wanted to like have a qualifier, because you can't just say, I'm putting five, these are my top five shows in no particular order, or alphabetical order. No, <laughs> they're all great. Well, isn't one greater than the other? Because I think that they are. Um, if you rank something, you should you should be bold enough to like rank them one through five if you're going to say top five or one through ten or whatever it is. And so what would be the differentiating factor if they're all great, quote unquote? And I think that, you know, we've all seen it. We've all seen a good series go totally off the rails and you no longer think it's a great series. Even if later it comes back and it has a really good final season, those first two or middle three and four seasons that went off the rail, it really takes them out of the conversation. So consistency is important and it's also like trying to like walk uh, on a on a tightrope you know if you're not very good at walking a tightrope but you make it across two or three times that's pretty great you want to try to go five times okay you're really putting your life at risk and you go the sixth time when when you kind of feel like you do you really have to go you know you're that's why i say when you get to when you get to mad men which we'll talk about you the longer you're out there, you're at more of a risk of having a total flop and taking yourself completely out of the conversation. Mm. And you're not, you're no longer in the top five. You were good. But remember when you had that terrible sixth season and then you decided you'd come back and Oh God, that seventh season, everybody was bored with it. We were tired of it and it was terrible. You lost all your writers and you know, you lost some actors and you just, it wasn't the same show. That is always a possibility when you're talking about greatness. And so the longer, the better. So I flip-flop because, uh, you know, Breaking Bad was great. Five seasons. Uh, Sopranos, a different show because it was it was the precursor. You know, you're talking 1999. It's a precursor to the whole sort of like platinum age and the whole the big, big cable dramas and the big kind of epic adult storytelling. Um, and they were... That show was all over the map. I think at the end, the last couple of seasons, I mean, I love the ending. I fall in that camp, the finale. I fall hugely into that camp, but I don't know. I, I, there's so many bad episodes in the, in the last couple of seasons that are kind of meaningless and they're meandering. I'm like, Oh God, really? Like, I just felt like they didn't know where they were going. They're trying to make a one hour movie each week, but you have to have some, uh, you know, you have to have a linear storytelling and you have to be, have a beginning and clues and the conclusion to all your characters and their journey in some way. And I don't think they ever really got there until the end. Hmm. Uh, your number two choice is The Wire. Yeah, I mean, The Wire is like, pe- some people will say, for example, a perfect example of a, people saying, oh, it went off the rails. The fifth season is the weakest of the five. Yes. There's no question about no that. Doubt. Um, and because David Simon, who I would put in, you know, I mean, he's he himself is a Hall of Fame TV, TV series creator. The guy is no doubt about it. And you have to ask yourself, okay, why does he create this, you know, serial killer thing and all this, you know, kind of, a lot of people were like, oh, I'm very uncomfortable where this is going. Would, would these characters that we've known for four seasons act like this now? Would they do that? And, 
I think he took a real risk. So if a guy like that can make, quote unquote, a mistake or maybe a misjudgment in a show, now multiply that by another 26 episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Like two more seasons. The, 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 you know, the level of difficulty increases exponentially. But all you know i don't think season five is as bad as the reputation is i I don't think it's the best it's certainly the weakest of the five but boy are you kidding me the ambition on the first four seasons of those and how it pulled it off and it was just a game changer um for for its content so i put it at two and as we get to number one the the reason i have that at number one is the length yeah so the wire um season five I, i i guess i feel like sometimes we know too much about david simon Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think if The Wire is a story about all the institutions that fail us and make our society worse because our institutions are failing, because that's mm-hmm. what The Wire is about, that really. Is yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking about the plight of journalism in the early 21st century and and uh, local newspapers and them falling apart and uh, also the f- structural problems with newspaper journalism and all of those things, completely valid, right up the alley of the show. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that we all know that David Simon worked for the Baltimore Sun makes it harder to objectively view season five of The Wire because while he's doing that critique, it really feels like he's... Um, getting out all of his anger about, uh, you know, all of his pet problems with his time working at a newspaper. And like, I get it, but it's also like, there's part of me that's like, "Hmm, this is, this seems strangely, strangely personal now (laughs) in a way that it didn't before. And that always, you know, that just struck me about season five of the wire, but you know, I'm not going to dispute it. It's one of the great, one of the greats, one of my, certainly one of my tops too, for sure. Yeah. I I think for the longest time, I, I, I mean, certainly in the early years before uh, Mad Men, my number one pick, mm-hmm. before it finished a seven-season run, um, The Wire was still number one. I mean, I, yeah. I just didn't think there was right. anything close to it, you know? I didn't think that it, it was ever going to be anything but number one. Um, but it's a totally different series, obviously. Mad Men compared to... I mean, oh, look how, grit, how gritty, you know, The Wire is. And, the, and Mad Men is much more of a... It's much more of a cerebral series yeah, sure. in a lot of ways. And the genius of the series is that he made a lot of people who didn't care about the existential part of it. Um, he made them care about the advertising and the, <laughs> and the modernism of it all. Right. But it, that series, man, it is smart from beginning to end. It is so incredibly well written and well acted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they got away with a lot of they got away with having the kids you luckily had um, Kiernan Shipka become such a great actress in the process. Uh, unfortunately, the boy didn't quite nail it quite as much, um, Bobby. And But it's from beginning to end, that's from seven seasons of... I mean, to add those two seasons on, six and seven, particularly seven, I think all of seven was excellent. I mean, there's there's episodes that are not up to snuff or up to the standard we want it to be. But cumulatively, the entire season of seven, I think is really good. Cumulatively. Six is a little difficult because it's a bridge season. And I always try to tell people that's really hard. It's like, you want to end it, mm-hmm. but you, you, the the network wants you to go a little one more. Right. Right. And so you have, you can't, you, so in some ways you're spinning your wheels for a whole season and you have to, 
it's just, it, you know, it's never going to be quite as good as the finale season where you know it's going to end and you can go right there. Right. You, you spin your have wheels or you're, or you're moving furniture or a little bit of both, right? Because you know, now you know your ending and you're yes. backplotted and you've got to get people in the right place for the ending and also exactly. fill how many episodes am I filling here? And yeah. you get that. You, you definitely... Um, you see that you see that in individual TV seasons, but you certainly see it the moment that the creators realize that they've got an end game. Um, yeah, but yeah, I I just love the fact that you know Matt Weiner was so willing to still take chances in the seventh season. Mm-hmm. You know, because he was moving everything into the sixties, which he was of course really uh, sort of afraid of because the sixties are just the con- conceptually on as dramatized as are such a cliche because everybody falls into the same trap and he didn't want to do that. He always wanted quote unquote, the sixties to be a secondary story um, to Don and advertising and this whole existential crisis of identity he was mm. having. But I love the fact that he was th- in the second, in the seventh season, there was so much craziness as far as like, Okay, Don's on the move. You know, Don's like at this farm. Don's on a race car. What? He's like all over the place. And then he gets all the way out to California, um, and he gets out into on, out into Big Sur. It's just like so many choices and so many things where it could have went wrong. And, and I, for me at least, I think it it maintains its excellence all, all the way through. All right, cool. It was fun seeing you do that list. I like lists. Turns out lists are good. You know, <laughs> well, you know this already. <laughs> yes, I knew that. And it was funny because I don't, as you know, I'm not usually on uh, Twitter for very right. long. I usually just got to tweet my thing, my show out, keep uh, keep my uh, THR stuff moving. But I thought, you know, it was the 20th anniversary of The Sopranos. Something had to be said. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that was a lot of fun. Um, okay, so I've got uh, I've got some letters. We'll do a few. We're not going to be able to get to all of them, but people should uh, still send in your letters. Tweet we us. We still love you if we can't get to your letter. Yeah, so tweet us at TVTM or email us podcast.tvtalkmachine.com. And as we mentioned last time, in going over the old TVTM from the Chronicle, we were reminded that people used to send in audio files instead of <laughs> letters so that we could play letters. Imagine this, people. Play Imagine letters. This. Now, a lot of this happened on the old show because uh, they heard Joe butcher their letter while he was <laughs> reading it and so they're like i i'm gonna just solve this by sending in my letter as an audio file uh, but you could do that if you want to send your mm-hmm. uh, audio in to podcast at tvtalkmachine.com that will work and i know this because listener brandon sent in an audio file for this episode and here wow. it is hello yeah you've stuck the paper on my back porch instead of my front porch and oh wait no wrong line <laughs> um this is brandon from the 301 and I'm calling to say that first I tried calling the OG 1-800 number, um, and that's now a phone sex line. So I didn't want to pay the money just to have them get a weird voicemail from me that they probably wouldn't even let me put about like my TV uh, anger. Anyway, yeah, I hear from the OG podcast that I should be angry, so I'm going to be angry for a second about Amazon <laughs> Not knowing that I've apparently never watched Patriot season one, because when you click from the front page, hey, I want to watch Patriot, um, it starts you season two, episode one, which was really confusing because I've never seen Patriot. Um, and so I don't know what's going on in episode one anyway of season two. Um, it's like Amazon, you know what I watch from your prime service. So you should know that I've never seen this episode one. Anyway, uh, love to all your mothers and I'll talk with you later. Bye. 
way to set Nicely us up with our audio done. message listener brandon wow he's angry that... at amazon <laughs> because amazon doesn't know that he hasn't watched patriot also i'm angry at amazon because amazon has their um because i have a 4k tv amazon has like two of everything they have like the 4k version and the non 4k version it's like it, uh, not to bring it back to the old podcast but oh what are you doing amazon <laughs> like netflix is just like oh this is in 4k if you have it or not if you you're not but amazon's got like two versions and they're brandon they they want to show him season two episode one of patriot when he hasn't seen season one what i i just i don't know come on amazon get it together they, they yeah, are that, working on a new interface, right? You were told. Yes, they are. They are uh, I was told that. They are, in fact, that's a good way to actually get back on Twitter and maybe I'll say some things because I think he's right. I mean, it, I, w- I had a problem. I was like, wait, where do I reload season one? I wanted to rewatch season right? one from the beginning. And it was always season two popping up and it was auto playing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Brutal. Brutal. Oh. But I love the uh, excellent use of the A calling in the 800 number, which is now a sex line. That's funny. Talking about the newspaper because we did have a live phone line people could call in. And mostly it was people saying, I didn't get my paper. Yeah. Wait, I, so my newspaper was, was wet this morning. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> yeah. And we're like, I guess we can't use that in the podcast. Or can or we? Or can we? Well, that was the brilliance. Oh. Yeah. Of the OG TV TM. Uh, listener Lon wants to know which showrunner and which streaming platform would run the TV TM spinoff, Everyone Loves Your Mother? And would it be a sitcom, dramedy, or other? What, for wow. him, from the 717, Lon. Wow. Everyone Loves Your Mother. Yeah. That's a, who, who would run well, that? It's going to be, yeah, it's gonna gonna be, be Acorn because yeah. it's going to be Irish. It's going to be Irish. It'll be, a, it'll be on the Acorn streaming service. Yeah. That's right. Because it's an Irish. It's Irish. <laughs> Because that's where uh, Love to Your Mothers began. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's an Irish series on Acorn. Uh, I think it's definitely a sitcom. It's a traditional Irish, classic Irish sitcom, Everyone Loves Your Mother. I think that's, you know what? You're you're right about that. And I think that, uh, yeah, I think it, it being, um, it being um, Irish is essential, right? Yeah. And maybe, maybe it could be, um, oh, oh, geez. You know who could do it is... Uh, uh, as a as a director is uh, uh, the guy from um, Moon Boy. Great, great, and uh, Finola Flanagan will be Chris uh, O'Dowd. Thank uh, you, Chris O'Dowd will do it, and uh, Finola Flanagan will be your your oh, grand your m- grandmother or mother. That's a good one. That's a good. I think Chris O'Dowd's sensibility to family and humor is would be perfect. For All right. See, yeah. we did it. It's easy. Making TV it. shows Ooh. is easy when you don't care and you're just making it up as you go along and you don't have yeah, to follow you're through. You're hired, Chris O'Dowd. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Just write us a check for our brilliant idea. I mean, it's Lon's brilliant idea, but don't write him a check. Anyway, um, let's see. Elliot wrote in to say, I've been wondering what Tim thinks about TV and movies getting closer together. They're still not the same, but they're closer together than they've ever been before. Comparing the Marvel Cinematic Universe versus Sherlock, both have three episodes a year and even share cast members tv seasons get shorter movies turn into big screen miniseries uh, i think that's i think that's a really good from from elliot the idea that uh also we have a lot of movies we're gonna have some oscar nominees that premiered essentially on netflix after a limited run to get them eligible uh, roma won the oh, yeah. mm-hmm. golden globe right um what do you think about this like what is what do we have left to differentiate between movies and tv well the one thing that has to stay is episodic storytelling that's i mean that every critic will tell you that anytime you try to do this thing where you're on netflix and there's no ending to these things and and you're meant to binge them without like 
the natural rhythm of an episodic television. Then it becomes everybody's hated thing. You know, it's a 13 episode movie or an eight hour movie. Yeah. No, no, no one wants that. I, I don't want to watch a, an 11 hour long movie about Daredevil. I don't. No, exactly. And I like Daredevil, but I'm not right. interested in that. Yeah, no one wants to do that. I think you, even for eight, you know, you need to be able to have like a, either a self-contained season or you have to have things that can roll into the next season, but you have to have dramatic arcs that have resolution and cliffhangers and, and characters move. They don't, no, it doesn't just end at 11 or 13 episodes as a movie. So that's the one thing I would say that has to change. But yeah, I, as far as like the quality, I've always said, I think television's like better than most, better than most movies. Hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that, that that's fundamentally it is if you have recurring characters and you tell different stories in a in a premise. Otherwise, it's a miniseries kind of almost, mm-hmm. um, which is why they have those TV movie or miniseries categories at the Emmys. Like a miniseries is not a is not a movie. Although something like Sherlock pushes it a little bit in that those are kind of like mini movies, but it is recurring episodic same characters that's what makes a TV instead of a movie. I would argue actually for um for listener Elliot, I think him saying that the Marvel movies are more like TV, I think that's accurate. I think that that is a- mm-hmm. absolutely just as movies for years have influenced television in terms of storytelling and like oh we want to be like the movies. The Marvel movies are a great example of serial storytelling and recurring characters being applied from television and from comic books, obviously, originally, to movies. And and since it's a visual medium uh, or a, you know, live action medium, motion picture medium, it, it uh, even though it's like comic books, it's also really like TV. And I, I was talking to somebody about the Avengers Infinity War movie and they're like, well, you kind of, you know, you got to, you got to have seen all the others. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's basically like the, the part one of the season finale of Marvel. <laughs> it's, <Right. laughs> it's great as a season finale, but if you haven't seen the rest of the show, it is nonsense because yeah. it, its whole power is that, you know, these characters from before it is very much like a television experience and not a movie experience. Cause you're like, who's that guy who just died? It's like, no, you don't, don't watch yeah. season two, episode one of Patriot. That's not yeah. what, you know? And so yeah. I think that's funny that, that modern movies in order to get people to come to these movies and get really excited about them, the franchises that we have feels a lot more like TV. So it's like the shoe was on the other foot there a little bit. Yeah. And I, by the way, I am the person who did that experience. I, I oh, was yeah. the worst person to, cause I didn't, you know, I don't watch a lot of Marvel yeah. movies and I watched So there's that. a Spider-Man I, now? <laughs> like what? I was like, who's that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, oh, well, they died. It's like, really? I guess that's I'm sad. Like, uh, like wh- who's yeah. that? No, why it's, am, wh- it's, that's so, exactly yeah. it. Is that, is that Marvel <laughs> makes a lot of great standalone movies that are right. funny and interesting and varied in their tone, which I think is one of the nice things. They have heist movies and comedies and, you know, you know, wild you know, magic movies like Doctor Strange and things like that. But then when you get to the Avengers movies, it's basically a movie for people who've, it, 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 it's the climax of the overarching plot and don't, I don't know. There are people who tune in, obviously, because the ratings show, traditionally, people tune in for the season finale of a show, the ratings go up and it's like, who are those people? They have not been watching up until yeah. now. What, what are they going to get out it's of the so season weird. finale? Yeah. I don't, know. I don't get it. Uh, one more. This is Lynn in the 678. Ooh, I like that area code. Ooh, wow. That's pretty good. She says, I love the show. I especially have been enjoying Tim's columns on the new streaming TV world, but I have a problem I want to run by you. I'm not sure you guys are interested in being TV doctors, but I think it's really needed. Here's my problem. I want to follow Tim's advice. And she links to the piece you did about uh, TV, you know, 
TV uh, habits to try out in 2019. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. She says, but there are a few impediments to making it happen. To summarize what Tim says in the article, it's about taking on one show and sticking with it and not worrying about catching up with other shows. The problem is Hulu. I enjoy sitcoms. At least 10. There are current shows, and every episode is released the day after they air. Tim offers the suggestion to check in with these types of shows every once in a while. The problem is not all these shows stay on Hulu. The worst example is The Good Place. It's a rolling five show. Only the latest (laughs) five episodes are on the service. Oh, we've talked about this before. It's so frustrating. While it's on Netflix, it's a full year behind, so not an option. Other comedies I like are only on Hulu a season at a time, so there's still a deadline. Kids Are Alright falls in this category. How do I schedule watching these shows before they drop off the surface? Do I simply stop watching some of them because the way it's working now it is difficult to start a new show like say patriot when i feel i am juggling shows that might disappear before i watch them signed a confused hulu user lynn well i think lynn's right by the way lynn's in atlanta six seven eight is in the atlanta area somewhere in the metropolitan atlanta era area uh that is actually a really good question because i think uh yeah, I had not factored that in. They do drop off. I but I think I was more going along the lines of she's current. She's she's talking right. about current. Like I'm saying, like if you were discovered to just discover the good place right now, you can get the first two seasons. Right. Um, and then you know, then you can be patient. Like once I'm just saying, if you watch the first two seasons and binge all your way through that, and you know, you should even though there's a rolling five episode plan currently for the current season on Hulu, I think you can just wait. I think you did the first two seasons. Now go discover something else, you know, go discover right. Wilfred, which is as part of my, you know, hidden gems. There's four seasons. If there's something, they're not going anywhere. If there's something you absolutely love, then you're going to pace it week by week. Right. Like, yeah. and yeah. That, if you want to be current on that show, yeah, you have to. Yeah. Like counterpart. I am, while I'm binging other things, I'm watching counterpart every week because I love it. And I'm watching um, the good place every week because I love it. But uh, I think you're right that with the rolling five thing, basically it's the network saying you will watch it within five weeks of release, or you're going to miss it until it, you know, it's on Netflix in a year. And you just have to say, are you going to take that bet or not? And for some stuff, it's like, nah, and I hear from people who, who uh, I extol the virtues of The Good Place to, and they love the first two seasons. And then I said, well, the, you know, the current season is airing on, on NBC. And they're like, hmm, I will <laughs> wait for it to be on Netflix. And it's like, fine, yeah. fine, yeah. fine. That's perfectly valid. Yeah. Um, they, they need, they need you know, Comcast needs to talk to those yeah. people. <laughs> but I, I do, I, I, I see it like it, it, that's a way that they're trying to protect the validity of watching a network TV show, right? Is like, if you miss it, it's gone. I don't quite understand why if you pay for cable and you get NBC, um, you wouldn't have those. Maybe they'll be on the NBC Universal streaming service. <laughs> Which is free. Because that actually, that is CBS All Access works that way. You can watch yeah. the entire season of, you know, Magnum PI or whatever. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't roll off, I believe. Like I watched Survivor, the most recent season of Survivor, cause I had friends mention it and I hadn't watched it in 10 years. That would be fun. It was good. It was a really good season, but I have CBS all access and, um, and it, it's all there. There's none of this rolling good. five stuff. They're like, as it should be. Yeah. Right. That's, right. Like if you want to yeah. have complete access to their content and you pay them, great. You, you get all access to it. And unfortunately Hulu, because of what it is, which is this, it was built to be a, weird add-on talk about your your streaming services that were invented by people with an old business model hulu oh my god yeah it was and they were just trying to have a placeholder yeah yeah but boy that question does prompt this you know suggestion is if once because now disney's the primary owner and if nbc universal 
Comcast doesn't want to sell their 30% share right away, they're going to sell it at some point. But the, maybe they don't want to sell it right away. Maybe when um, when Disney takes it over, everything that's that's been on Fox and everything that's been on ABC or is a ABC owned content should run in full seasons. And then everything that's left on NBC should keep up this rolling, rolling five, five and it'll annoy people. And they'll say, I don't want to watch any NBC shows. And, and NBC will say, well, if you subscribe to our uh, streaming service, then you'll get all of them. <laughs> right. Cause I, I do agree with you. I think that the, all of the uh, ABC stuff for certain will be, will end up being in the Hulu package and yeah, mm-hmm. it'll be just like that. All right. Well, um, yes, people should definitely send in. You can you can be like listener Brandon and send in an audio clip if you want, or just text, t- uh, tweet at TVTM podcast at TVTalkMachine.com if you want to email us. And we will be back next week to talk about more TV because there's always more, Tim. There's always more. I did I did those numbers, right? It's uh, in 52 weeks of 500 shows. It's almost ten, it's an average of 10 shows a week. It's crazy time. Uh, every week is crazy time, it turns out. It's not going away. All right. Well, so we'll be back next week. But until then, what we always like to say is... Bye, everybody! Goodbye! Goodbye! <laughs> <laughs>